Okay. So, this week is Pasha's Mishpatim. If you have your stone chumash, it begins on page 416. Thank, thank you all for being here tonight. And just have to keep my eye on the waiting room. Um, well, that's why I don't want to have the waiting room because I have to let everybody in. But okay, so let's let's begin. The Eila HaMishpatim. Asher Tasim Lefman. And these are the ordinances. Ordinances. It's an interesting word. That you shall place before them. Mishpatim. So Rashi here focuses in on the, on the first letter in the parasha, actually. Ve'ela, the Vav, uh, which, which uh, means and. Which has the connotation of it being a continuation of what was said before. So Rashi here says, where it says the word these, it's coming to exclude what was said before. Uh, these uh, things that are coming are different than what was said before. But when it says and these, most of Alarishonim, it is actually um, adding to what was said before. So this is a continuation of, la- of what was the subject towards the end of last week's parasha, and what what was the subject of last week last of the of last week's parasha? It was what happened on Har Sinai, on Mount Sinai, the revelation at Sinai, the giving of the Ten Commandments. So says Rashi, just as what was discussed in last week's parasha was Misinai, it was it was um, discussing those mitzvos that were handed down or given, transmitted from Har Sinai to the Jewish people. So too, these mitzvos, these mishpatim discussed in this week's parasha also have the same source that they came from Sinai. And the question which we've discussed, I think multiple times in the past is that um, this seems to be in the context of the rest of the Torah and things that we know from other places, this seems to be obvious. Um, we know from other sources that all the mitzvahs of the Torah were given to Moshe uh, at on Har Sinai. Meaning when, when he went up there for 40 days and 40 nights, which actually at the end of this week's parasha talks about Moshe Rabbeinu going up on the mountain. And during, the, during that time that Moshe was on the mountain, he was taught the entirety of the Torah. Well, all of the Torah was in Har Sinai. Well, I think we've mentioned in the past an inter- a very interesting idea that the um, that the uh, one of the commentaries says is that that it seems to be an indication that there was something particularly um, connected to Har Sinai about this this particular parsha, this week's parsha, perhaps more than every, every, everything else, and everything else was told to Moshe. Uh, on Har Sinai, besides the, the, the Ten Commandments themselves that Hashem spoke to the entire, in the presence of the entire Jewish people uh, and to the entire Jewish people um, on at Har Sinai, but the rest of the Torah Hashem spoke, told it to Moshe when he was on Har Sinai. But these mishpatim, in a sense, they were the same as the Ten Commandments. That that meaning that Hashem 
told it to Moshe while everyone was standing there and while there was still the thunder and the lightning and the entire description of what was going on in Harsinai, um, that's when this particular parasha was said. And if you read the parasha, it definitely seems that way, um, that at the end of the parasha, it goes back to the different things that happened in Harsinai at the time of the giving of the Torah. The chronology is somewhat debatable. There's a debate among the among the, the commentaries about it. Maybe we'll get back to that soon. But in general, if you just look at the, at, at the way, the flow of the way the Torah writes it, it talks about the Jewish people at the mountain, Harsinai. Then we have the an, an interruption, really, with all of these laws in the beginning of this week's passion. And then at the end, it goes back to the discussion of the Jewish people at Harsinai and, and, and Moshe going up to the mountain. So it seems that this is sandwiched right in the middle of the Sinai story in order to tell us that, that there was a specific um, way that these that this passion was given, that it was more connected to that, that revelation of the Torah at Har Sinai than, um, than the rest of the Torah. And the question is why? Why these, this parasha particularly, should it be more, should it be, should it, why was it given in a way that was more like the Ten Commandments, it was given in a way that was more um, associated with the revelation at Har Sinai than the rest of the Torah, which was also given at Har Sinai, but not in the same, not in the same way with the same revelation. That's, um, that's, I guess, one question, rather long question, but um, I want to go back and now turn to the, um, all the way towards the end of the Pasha, to ask one, one more question, that, but just to get the idea, if you go, if you have your Chumash again, if you could turn to page 440, chapter 24, um, and there, like we mentioned, it goes back to the to the story of the Jewish people at Har Sinai, and it says, "Val Moshe Amar that to Moshe Hashem said, Alei El Hashem, go up to Hashem. You Atav Aronodav Aviv B'Shivim Zikne Yisrael. You Aronodav Aviv and somebody the elders of Israel, and you should prostrate yourself at a distance. And then, Menigash Moshe Levadol Hashem, and Moshe alone shall approach Hashem." So there's a there's a and, and the end of this and the and the end of the the just to see how this ends at the end of this section it says on the, the very last pasuk in this week's parsha on page 442 at the bottom it says Moshe arrived in the midst of the cloud and he ascended the mountain Moshe was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. So here we have Hashem telling Moshe to go up. In the middle, we have some other things. We'll talk about that soon. Um, but there's a there's, there there is uh, some discussion among the the major classic commentaries as to the chronology of this. When this happened, Rashi says that this this particular section of the end of the parsha is not written in a chronological order. And this is really something that happened before the giving of the Ten Commandments. So chronologically, this actually happened together with the description of the, of the time, the, the week or so that the Jewish people spent in, at Har Sinai before Hashem came down and, and gave the, gave the Ten Commandments. And that's when this particular section happened. That's how Rashi interprets it. However, many other commentaries, um, uh, foremost among them the Ramban, Nachmanides, 
um, they understand that, no, this is actually in chronological order. This is a description of something that happened after the giving of the Ten Commandments. They say that everything happened in chronological order. First, we have the last week's parish of Hashem coming down and giving the Ten Commandments. Then we have the giving of the Mishpatim, the laws at the beginning of this parasha. And then at, we have at the end of this parasha, more things that happened at Har Sinai right after the giving of the Torah and the Ten Commandments and, and also the giving of these laws, which came together with that. And then Hashem told Moshe to go up to the mountain and to remain there for 40 days and 40 nights. That's how the Ramban understands it. So with the Ramban's understanding, I want to ask the following question. If we look at um, page, back to page 440, chapter 24, so the Pasuk says, the next Pasuk, we, we actually um, actually read the first Pasuk, but Pasuk Gimel, but Pasuk 3, it says, Moshe, Moshe came, and he told the people all the words of Hashem, and all of the ordinances, all of the laws. Now, according to the the Nachmanides, according to the Ramban, this actually means the mishpatim that it's referring to is the mishpatim, the laws that are mentioned at the beginning of this week's parsha. So, so again, the order of things is: Hashem gave the Ten Commandments. Hashem told Moshe about these laws, the mishpatim, and now Moshe comes and he tells the people the laws. Then it says. Um, and the entire people responded with one voice, and they said, all the words that Hashem has spoken, we will do. That's how they respond. All the words that Hashem has spoken, we will do. Now, this brings up a question. Um, the, the almost identical words in the mouths of the Jewish people we have in last week's Pasha. In last week's parasha, before the giving of the Ten Commandments, we have the words on page on, on page four, 402, if you want to look, we have the words, it's in chapter 19, verse 8. The Jewish, the, the whole nation answered together, by Yomra they said, everything that Hashem has spoken, we shall do. So, whatever, whatever Hashem says, we will do, so, which seems to be a commitment to listen to Hashem. Now, over there, it was a commitment to everything that Hashem said, I'm going to, you'll be my people, and I'm going to, you're, we're gonna make, you're, you're, you'll keep my covenant. And the reaction was, whatever you, whatever, whatever Hashem, whatever you say, whatever you say, we'll do. So, they already said they already made that commitment. They already made that statement before. I guess again, according to the Rambanu, it was a week, it was a several days before, before the giving of the Ten Commandments. They said, "Whatever Hashem says, we will do." So why do, why is it necessary for them to repeat the same? It's it's called and there it said It's almost it's almost the exact words. They added a couple of words. I'm not sure exactly why, but the same. It's certainly the same idea, and it's almost the identical words that they said, whatever Hashem says, we will do. Why do they have to repeat that? That's probably one of the reasons why Rashi understood that this is actually a repeat of the same story that happened then, just filling in some more details for some reason over here. But according to the way Rambam learns that this is, uh, this is not a repeat, but this is actually something that happened several days later, so then why would they have to repeat themselves and again say whatever Hashem says we will do?
that's the that's the um, the second question I wanted to ask. So, uh, before I start answering these questions, I would like to quote you something from from the Medrash. This, we again, these, this parsha, parsha's mishpatim, deals with the the laws here that are called mishpatim, which are they translated ordinances. It comes from the word mishpat, which actually means justice. Uh, uh, so mishpatim are laws of being just or something like that, and. Many of the laws, or it's like is civil law. It's laws that have to do with monetary things, or not only monetary things. There's there's, there's laws that have to do with with um, uh, capital punishment for murder, for, for kidnapping, um, things like like a person who, who strikes his father or mother will be put to death. Um, there's also laws of damages, uh, torts, or whatever those things are called, uh, uh, regarding if a person person wounds someone, or if a person um, animal hurts someone, or if someone uh, digs a uh, a pit, uh, 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 creates some kind of a uh, of a um, of, of a dangerous uh, stumbling block in the in the in the street, and someone gets damaged. All all these kinds of laws are here in this week's parasha. They're called mishpatim. And there's a medrash that says something, says something very interesting. It, say, it points out that the mishpatim come again right after the Aseret Sadibros, right after the Ten Commandments. And, but the medrash points out also right before the Ten Commandments, we have the concept of mishpat, because right right before the story of the Jewish people receiving the Ten Commandments, on in last week's parsha, we have that story about Yisro and how the judges were appointed. And it says, Vishaftu Islam Bakalais. We don't have to we don't have to turn to the Psukim, but but if you recall, we spoke about it last week already also uh, a bit how um not 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 much, but we mentioned that Yisro. So Yisro came and he made this this recommendation, and they made a whole system of a justice, a judicial system with judges. And it says that they that the, the these judges were appointed and they judged the people. So it says the Medrash the following thing. The Medrash says that we find the, the idea of justice, of dinim, of laws of justice at the beginning. And we have, the, we have before the giving of the Ten Commandments, we have it at, right after the giving of the Ten Commandments. So it says that could be compared, he says, to a noble woman who is walking down the street and she has servants walking in front of her and servings walking behind her with weapons. She has guards. She has guards in the front and guards in the back. So the the the, the noble woman in the middle, that's symbolic of the Ten Commandments, which, which is symbolic of the entirety of the Torah. The Torah is, uh, the Ten Commandments, as the commentaries point out, are kind of headings, chapter headings almost, of the entire Torah. So we have the Torah in the middle, and then, and then we have the guards, which 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 are the mishpatim, the law, the justice laws at the beginning, and we have the guards at the end, before and after. That's what the Medrash says. So the question is, what is this concept? What is this concept that the mishpatim are the guardians, so to speak, of the Torah? How do we understand that? Okay, so those are our questions for today. So briefly to repeat them. Um, we find that mishpatim have, have a special connection with Harsinai, 
uh, the way they were given. Why? Why is that? Um, then the question on the end of the parsha: Why did the Jewish people have to repeat their commitment to the Torah the, after the Ten Commandments um, when they already said almost exactly the same thing before they received the Ten Commandments? That's the second question. And the third question is: What is this idea that the mispatim are the guards of the rest of the Torah, and therefore they're put before and put after? So, <clears throat> so I, I want to begin to, to explore this by mentioning something which we certainly mentioned in the past years ago. I don't recall in recent years that I discussed this, but it bears repeating. There's a fascinating section um, essay of the, of the Rambam, of Maimonides. Maimonides has a, an introduction to Perkeavos, to the Ethics of the Fathers, it's called, it's eight chapters, it's called Shmona Prokin, which means the eight chapters. And there in the Shmona Prokin, he brings, he, 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 he um, discusses uh, a debate that, that has taken place uh, among the philosophers, among scholars of uh, religious scholars. And there, the debate is as follows. The debate is who, you have two people, both of them do everything they're supposed to do, theoretically. Both of them do everything they're supposed to do. One of them doesn't have an inclination to do anything anything wrong. They want to do everything. They're, 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 they're you know, so good-hearted that they always just want to do the right thing, and they do the right thing because that's, that's what they want to do. No conflict. That's one person. Then on the other side, you have another person who always also does everything he's supposed to do, but that person does it. He's conflicted. He has he has uh, he has the inclination not to do it. It's difficult. It's a struggle, and he overcomes his inclination and he does the right thing anyway. Which one of these two people is um, is on a higher level? Ula, who's higher? That's the debate. Now. Um, I'm not going to ask you your opinion. Uh, maybe uh, you can you can tell me if you want, but uh, but I'll tell you what the Rambam I'll tell you what the, what the Rambam does with this. The Rambam says that there really there are really sources on both sides, um, uh, sources that 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 are reliable sources on both sides. He says first of all the philosophers he quotes all say that it's a much higher level not to want to do something wrong. That's a much that's much better than someone who wants to do something wrong and has to overcome it. That's the, that's the opinion of the philosophers. And he says, it's not only the opinion of philosophers, there are, there are he brings Torah sources to that extent, to that, to that, um, the Torah sources to that side as well, that say things like, like, um, what's the word? Nefesh Russia Ibsara. It's a wicked soul that, that desires bad. Or something like that. Okay, that's a that's a pasuk in Mishlei from, from Proverbs from Shlomo So there's a certain wickedness in desiring bad. In other words, if you don't desire bad, it's much better than if you do desire bad. That's on one side. On the other side, he brings he brings there's there are uh, sources in the Torah Torah sources that say that say no. There's Torah sources that say that uh that that greater people have greater temptations temptations. Or this idea that the more the more difficult it is, the more reward you get. 
And then there's a there's a there's a um, there's a statement of our sages that say that a person shouldn't say adam. A person shouldn't say chazir person should not say, I don't want to eat pork. I don't want to wear shotness, which is forbidden wool and linen combinations. So the person shouldn't say that, but rather a person should say, actually, I really want to do it. What can I do? My father in heaven decreed that I shouldn't do it. So that seems to be saying very clearly that it's, it's almost wrong for a person not, not to want to do it. Person shouldn't say I, I, I shouldn't say I don't want to do it. Person to say no, I really wish I could eat that 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 cheeseburger. You know that cheeseburger looks great. I wish I could eat it, but what can I do? I, I, my, my, my father in heaven told me not to do it, so I'm not going to. That's the way a person should should keep the Torah. So which one is it? Which one is on a higher level? Okay, so comes the Rambam, and some of you may recall hearing this. Um, I spoke about it again some years ago. Says the Rambam that it's both the uh, you know like the old rabbi um, rabbi joke about you know two people come to the rabbi and uh, with a dispute and one says, tells their son the rabbi says you're right and the other one tells the rabbi that uh, their son the rabbi says you're right and the rabbi says how can they both be right he says, he says you're also right right that's the old the old rabbi joke so. <laughs> So here comes the Rambam, and he says that both sides are right. And it, it, both sides are right, because, and, but how do you reconcile that? So he says it depends. There's a distinction. Um, there's a distinction uh, between different kinds of good, different kinds of good deeds, so to speak. Certain, uh, certain types of mitzvot, so good deeds, it's better that a person shouldn't want them at all. And other types of good deeds, it's better that a person should want to do them and, and, and not do them anyway. So the question is, what, 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 which is which? Says the Rambam, and he quotes, this is he's quoting a Gemara, that the Gemara says that there are two basic types of mitzvot, which is, we may be familiar with this idea, but the Rambam develops it in this context. He says there's two basic types of mitzvot. There's mitzvahs that are called mishpatim, and there are mitzvahs that are called chukim. Mitzvahs that are called mishpatim, says the Rambam, are mitzvahs which the Gemara describes as, even if the Torah wouldn't have told us to do, to, told us about them, it would have been by right, we should, we should have known about them anyway. Something like that, which, is, which are, are mitzvahs that have a certain... Um, a certain rationale, a certain we have we have a certain a certain intuition that they're right. So, for example, not to steal, not to murder, or perhaps to be to to, to treat people treat people nicely on the positive side. Those are mitzvahs that there's some kind of of inherent um, 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 an intuitive understanding that the certain things are right and certain types of things are right and certain types of things are wrong. And, those, and there are mitzvahs in the Torah that correspond to that. Many of those mitzvahs that we have in this parasha, 
don't where we have the question of murder and theft and taking responsibility for damages and taking the responsibility for the damages one's of one's that one's animal does and all those kind of those kinds of ideas those are things that just feel right to us because though that's the way Hashem made human beings with a certain intuitive understanding and feeling that those things are right. That's one kind of mitzvah. Then there's other kind of mitzvah. Another kind of mitzvah called chukim. It's mitzvahs that we have no intuitive feeling or understanding that there's any, anything right or wrong about them. So, for example, he says, not eating, not eating non-kosher food. There's nothing intuitive about that. Um, or, or not wearing shatnas, not wearing wool and linen, or those kinds of things. Those are mitzvahs that we don't, that are called chukim. They're mitzvahs, they're laws, Hashem lays down the law, whether we understand the reason, we don't understand the reason, whether we have an intuitive that it's right or wrong, or right or wrong, or we don't, we really have no idea why or why it should be right or wrong, but Hashem told us to do it or not to do it, and, that, and we, just, we follow what he says. Those are chukim. Says the Rambam that when it comes to chukim, to laws that 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 we have no intuition about 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 their their rightness or wrongness, so he says, really, there's no, doesn't make any sense. I, I, this is what he seems to be saying to Rambam. Doesn't make any sense that we should want to do them. We should want. Well, he says that's why a person shouldn't say, I don't like, I don't want to eat cheeseburgers because I don't like cheeseburgers. That's not, that's not, that, 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 that wouldn't be right because there's really nothing wrong with cheeseburgers as far as, as far as we can understand and as far as we know. So if it would be up to us, if we wouldn't have any outside knowledge from Hashem, we certainly would want to eat cheeseburgers. So why don't we eat cheeseburgers? Because Hashem told us. And so on, on that side, the, that's where the side is that it would be wrong for a person to actually want to eat the cheeseburger. Whereas, whereas, uh, I'm sorry, would be wrong for us for the purpose of not to wanting to choose it. There, there, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with wanting it. You might as well want it, but uh, there's, 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 there's nothing stopping you from wanting it. Whereas the, the, the point, the part where the philosophers are right uh, are by those kind of mitzvahs that the philosophers understand. And that the idea is when it when it comes to something like like theft, like stealing, or like murder, or like damaging people, or like not taking responsibility for damages, or by treating people not not well, those kind of things, we, we don't want to say, really, I would why I really want to kill that guy. But Hashem, what can I do? Hashem doesn't let me murder. That's that you know, it's if, if that's where a person's up to, he certainly shouldn't murder the guy. That's that's a good good enough reason not to murder the guy if, if that's where the person's holding. But certainly it's a it's not the highest level for a person to feel that way. The highest level is that a person is has developed his character. Murder is an extreme, obviously. But the highest level is that a person should develop his character to the point that he only wants to do good to other people, that he only wants the responsibility that he feels is so strong, it's it's an intrinsic, inherent feeling. A responsibility if I in case I damage someone it's not like oh I wish I didn't have to pay the guy but what can I do the Torah says I have to pay the guy no I want to pay the guy because I feel it's not just it's not right that I shouldn't take responsibility for, for my actions and that's the that's the level of mishpatim and that's where the Rambam says that it's correct that it's a higher level not to want to do it so um, with this with this distinction first of all we can understand and we can imagine 
say this already. That's why, um, that's one possible reason why the Mishpatim are connected particularly with Harsinai, because one can make a mistake and think that the Mishpatim is just a, is just telling us uh, you do what uh, you do what feels right or something like that because they, the mishpatim have that kind of that kind of quality to them that it's something that 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 sits well with us and it feels right but that's very dangerous if we would just look at the mishpatim that way because sometimes a person is not developed has not yet developed his sense of right and wrong and we have to look for the Torah to the Torah and we have to real we have to look at it as a, as a part of the Torah that came from Harsina that came from Hashem and even if it doesn't feel right we got to do it anyway because otherwise we we can fall into the trap of making our, ourselves the on the the uh the decide the, 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 the ones to decide of what's right and wrong and that's why the mishpatim more than more than the rest of the torah are connected with the revelation of, of Sinai. that's that's one idea but there's really something there's really something there's one other point here that goes much further than this and this is the point i wanted to get to tonight which is Although the Rambam makes this distinction, and he seems to be saying, let's take the, the example of, of eating pork, the, that even the Chazal say, a person shouldn't say, I don't want to eat pork. It's a, what can I do? Hashem told me not to. So in the sense, it sounds like a person really should want to eat pork. If he passes by the, the, the you know, the trafe, the not kosher a restaurant that's serving, the, the, serving the, the pork, and I wish I can go in there and eat it, right? But the truth is, there's something, it, it's not quite like that. I think even the Rambam, you have to understand it in a much more subtle way. And I, I'll explain it. It's really, it's really a pretty, a pretty basic idea. Um, but let's let's talk about let's talk about the following. The the um, just, we'll just have to, have to introduce this as one with one more idea here. One of the things that we find in this passage, which we mentioned before, is the great severity. So how 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 us how terrible it is if a person doesn't treat their parents right. But we have somebody, Maka Ish Vameis, I'm sorry, Maka of the Ima most humos. So of a man, one who strikes his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Makal of the Ima most humos, one who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. We have the idea that of how strict, how terrible it is if a person doesn't treat their parents right. And so the, the Sefer Achinuch explains when he talks about the mitzvah kibbut of the aim, he says that this is this is telling us this is training us in the concept of feeling gratitude towards those who brought us into the world and those who brought us up. And I think we can say that the Torah is so strict about it because it wants to bring out this point that we we owe everything to our parents, our whole lives, literally to our parents. And since we owe everything to our parents, we 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 need we must have that, that develop in ourselves, the, this idea of gratitude, which is something that we have a certain amount of, 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 um, of intuitive understanding that it's right. We have to develop in ourselves that understanding of how, how crucial it is to treat our parents right. And, uh, and that's part of what the Torah, is, what the Torah is describing over here. But the Sefer the, the goes a step further. And he says that this is not only in order to develop ourselves for the the the, the, midah, the attribute of akarsatov of gratitude, which is which is certainly a important thing, but he says we have to take that to the next step, and that is we have to apply that concept of gratitude towards our relationship with Hashem, which 
which which this is and this is a a, 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 a very very central and important concept to understand. That but let's talk about it this kind in this context. In this context, the idea is that Hashem, we owe everything to Hashem, literally everything, 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 right? But in order to develop the the proper um, understanding and feelings of of uh, the appropriate um, response and the appropriate, in order for it to elicit the appropriate relationship to Hashem based on the fact of how much he's given us. So we, the way that's developed is by ha- having the proper response, relationship, understanding towards those people in our lives that represent that kind of relationship. And there's no one in our lives that represents the relationship with Hashem, our relationship with Hashem more than our parents and then our relationship with our parents. So if we relate to our parents and we develop our ability to, to, to and, and, and fine tune our intuitive understanding of the gratitude that we need to have towards our parents to the, to the, to the extent that the Torah um, guides us to develop that, that will, the, the, that of course has intrinsic value, but another no less important value is, is, is to take that and to apply that to our relationship with Hashem. And that, and that spills over to our entire, the entire gamut of the, of the rest of the Torah as well. Because now we realize that Hashem is, the, is, is, our, is our parent and therefore we have, to, we have to treat him the right way. And with that, that being said, if we go back to what the, our sages tell us, that a person wants, the person shouldn't say, I don't want to eat pork. But rather, a person should say, I want to eat pork. But the truth of the matter is, a person only wants to eat pork up to a point. A person should only want to eat pork up to a point. Up to which point? Up to the point that a person realizes, and that's what it says there in that medrash, that my father in heaven told me not to. So imagine somebody who really, really wants to go eat in a certain restaurant. And for whatever reason, his, his parent who he loves and he respects and he has the greatest gratitude towards, for whatever reason, the parent doesn't want him to eat, to eat in that restaurant. They think the food is not healthy. So, so the, your, your father tells you, oh, whatever, please, please, um, well, whatever your name is, Yanko, don't eat in that restaurant, okay? So the person may want to eat in the restaurant, but at the end of the day, how can I eat in the restaurant? My father told me not to. So there's a person, so is that, but, but it's a tricky thing because it, on the one hand, not eating the tray for not eating the restaurant, it's a hoax. A person doesn't have any, any a person really feels, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with eating in that restaurant. I don't know my, what my father's talking about. That's on one level. Or what's wrong with eating pork? There's nothing wrong with eating pork. It's true on the level of our own understanding. There's nothing wrong with it. But on the le- but if a person would go ahead and eat the pork or go ahead and eat in that restaurant, that person would be an ingrate. That person would be treating their father in a bad way. And on that level, on the level of the relationship with his father, that chok all of a sudden is a mishpat. And in other words, it's something that doesn't have a, a rationale or a, a, that we un, can understand. It's something that doesn't have an intuitive uh, a feeling that it's the right thing. That's only on the level of the, of the intrinsic, uh, what it is, the intrinsic act of eating it. But on the level of the fact that, I, that Hashem told us not to do it, on that level, it has all the, carries all the weight of the most intuitive thing. 
It's the most, it should be, it should be the most intuitive thing that I can't even think of doing such a thing. When I saw my father, my father in heaven, the one who gave me everything, told me not to do it. I can't even think of doing such a thing. And that's, that's, um, that's the idea of the Mishpatim actually being, on, on uh, I'm sorry, even, even the Chukim, even the things that we don't understand are actually the Mishpatim. So at the end of the day, the 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 this the, with this we can understand. I'm sorry. What the Medrash is saying that the Mishpatim that these law these kind of laws are actually the the guards the weapons which allow us to keep the rest of the Torah. Because when when a person is is, is enticed uh, by his uh, in, inclination to do something wrong, and it's something that they really they really feel intuitively that. That or whatever it is, whether it's in their intuition or whether it's their 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 animalistic part, whatever it is, but they feel compelled to do something wrong. How do we get ourselves to stop? So one of the primary ways of getting ourselves to stop is, how can I do such a thing? Hashem, Hashem I owe everything to Hashem. I can I owe Hashem told me not to do it. And where does a person get that feeling from? How can I do everything to Hashem? If that person follows in the Shpatim, if that person deals with his fellow man, whether it's his parents, which, which, which is one primary example in the Pasha, whether it's a feeling of responsibility if he's damaging things. How can I do such a thing? I'm causing, Hashem puts certain things into place and I'm breaking, I'm breaking his system. I'm destroying what he's trying to accomplish in this world, whatever, it's, it's a sense of damage. Or how can I do such a thing? Even we have the concept, it's a difficult concept, we can't get into it too much now, but the concept of an Eved, of a servant. So, and, and, so I'm Hashem's servant. Hashem, I, 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 Hashem, just like I, I have to be careful with things that with, with, with monetary things. So in a sense, Hashem owns me. So I have no right to go ahead and do something like that. And these are all ideas that are that are um, inher- inherent in these mishpatim. The idea of gratitude to parents, the idea of responsibility, the idea of ownership. All of these ideas, if we apply them and they're made to be applied to our relationship with Hashem, that's going to give us the ability to keep the rest of the Torah. That's why the Mishpatim are the weapons which we use for the rest of the Torah. And I think with that, we can understand also why the, the Jewish people, after receiving the Mishpatim, they repeated their commitment not to not to, 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 to their commitment to keep the Torah, because it's one thing before they received the Ten Commandments, before they received the Mishpatim, the, the on one, that was on one level that they said whatever Hashem says we should do. But after it, the pasuk, it, it says very clear, clearly Moshe told the Jewish people the Mishpatim. They told them these Mishpatim, and they got the message. They understood that the, the, the wow, listen to all these things. How careful we have to be about our parents, how careful we have to be about all the people's property, how careful we have to be about treating people fairly, and how careful we have to be with, 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 with um, not, not to infringe on other people's property rights. When they heard all of those things, they said, oh, now we have to, we have to, we have to redouble our commitment to Hashem, I, because, we, because now we understand that the way we have to deal with Hashem is on a completely different level. It's on the level of how of the, all of these lessons and how we have to deal with other people. That's the, that's the uh, I think, a big part of the lesson of this week's Pasha. And thank you all very much for listening and for joining tonight and have a Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Rabbi. I really enjoyed that. Thank you, Rabbi. Yeah, thank, thanks, Neil.
Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you, Carrie. Hi. Come Hi. Sorry, I came late tonight. <laughs> I was involved in some mathematics and I, I forgot what time it was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for coming. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't miss seeing you, even if I can hear everything so well. But Okay. Okay. It's good I'm to gonna, see you also. What? Yeah. I'm, okay. I, I want to talk to Beth to tell me what I missed. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, very good. Right. Okay. Was okay. she here today? Yes, I think so. I think so. Okay. Yeah. So I'll have to get to her because, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether, whether I'm hearing right or I'm not hearing right. Uh, okay. <laughs> But anyway, uh, but it's it's always good to see you. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Have a good night, mommy. Okay. Thank you. You too. Have a good night. Uh,